Welcome to London Riverside Church Podcast. We hope you have a great day. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Church, hope you are doing well and oh, thank you very much. And for those online as well, we pray that today will be a great time enjoying God's word. We are in the middle of our series, James, where we're looking at the book of James and seeing how that can apply to our lives as London Riverside Church. Uh, If you remember, at the end of chapter one last week, uh, James was discussing and talking about the idea of religion. And uh, we saw from the passage how the Christian life is not to be conformed uh, by outward behavior, by how the world lives and portrays itself, but we should be conformed by the very person of Jesus. So if you have your Bibles with you, open it up to James chapter 2, verse 1 to 13, is where we are reading from. James chapter 2, verse 1 to 13, and I'm going to read from the New International Version. It says, My brothers and sisters, believers in the glorious Lord Jesus Christ, must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes comes in. If you show something special to man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and inherit the kingdom? He promised those who love him. But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourselves, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convinced by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the law, whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. We're really talking this morning about the idea of partiality, about favoritism and discrimination. And how we need to be careful that we don't allow that to enter the church. I heard a story about a, a, a two men who were sitting down for lunch. One was a Chinese man, one was a Jewish man. Uh, eventually, the Jewish man walks over to the Chinese man and just cracks him straight in the face. The Chinese man falls over, stumbles, and looks at him and says, well, why did you do that? The Jewish man turns to him and says, well, that was for Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor, said the Chinese man. That's got nothing to do with me. That was the Japanese. That's got nothing to do with me. They're the ones who bombed you. The Jewish man said, Chinese, Japanese, Taiwanese. It's all the same to me. The the Chinese man said, okay, no problem. They both sat down ready to eat, carry on their lunch. And after a couple more minutes, the Chinese man walked over to the Jewish man and just cracked him in his face. I know, this fight's taking place. The Chinese man said to the Jewish man, well, sorry, the Jewish man said to the Chinese man, well, why did you do that? He said, that was for the the Titanic. (laughs) Titanic? That's got nothing to do with me. The Chinese man said, well, Goldberg, Steinberg, Iceberg, they're all the same to me. (laughs) 
And the thing is, is that we have to be so careful that the discrimination that, we, uh, can, that can naturally arise within ourselves, the favoritism that we show towards a particular type of person, the partiality that we, we show towards people, we need to be careful that it does not have a place within the church. You know, James is telling us that uh, we're supposed to live with uh, a sense of equality and inclusivity. If we let those things fester, the uh, partiality, the discrimination, the favoritism, what happens then is that pride starts to rise up within us. Righteousness, self-righteousness starts to bubble up. The idea that legalism shows itself, why? Because we're not putting these things in place. We judge others on their external appearances instead of looking at the condition of their heart. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it, gu- it guides us. I thank you that it illuminates how we should live our lives. God, I pray that you will change us, transform us, and equip us to be all that we're supposed to be. Holy Spirit, do what only you can. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, just to give you a quick heads up, tomorrow is Kathleen's celebration of life to, at the church at 1 o'clock. We'd love for you to join us to celebrate Kathleen Lucas's life. So partiality, favoritism, and discrimination have no place in the church. James chapter 2 verse 1 says, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. James is starting off by crystallizing the idea about who Jesus is. He's showing us and describing it, Jesus, as glorious. New King James Version says, the Lord of glory. And the idea here really is that Jesus is the full manifestation of the divine presence and the majesty of God. The Jewish people would have called it the Shekinah. Uh, This letter that James is writing to the early Christians would have been one of the first and the earliest to be written. And so right at the beginning, James is saying to people, Jesus is God. And so they have, the early Christians, the notion and belief from the get-go that Jesus is God. And so if Jesus is God and he doesn't show favoritism, we as his people should therefore not do do the same. We have this idea that Jesus does not, that God does not show um, favoritism. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 17, Matthew chapter 22, verse 16, Luke 20, verse 21, Acts 10, 34. Uh, If Jesus and if God does not show favoritism, if he does not discriminate, then why should we? We should not discriminate people based on their, uh, their economic status or their race or their gender or their culture. And the walls of discrimination and barriers seem to be just as high then as it is now. In the ancient world, they would be perplexed to see uh, Jews and Gentiles worshipping God together. They would have been so perplexed to see men and women in the same place worshipping God. So for the Romans to see the children and the adults all worshipping God would have been a confusing thing. To see people who were rich and poor gathered together in the same place would have been something quite perplexing to them. That those who were free and those who were slaves were together, side by side, joined together by the unity of Christ Jesus and nothing else. It's these mindsets and attitudes that James is trying to talk to us about. So verses 2 to 4 gives us an illustration of this favoritism and how it can play out, work itself in the church how partiality, favoritism, and discrimination could creep into the church. Let's get some working definition. Partiality, an unfair bias in favor of one person or thing. Favoritism, the practice of giving unfair preferential treatment to one person or group at the expense of another. Uh, Discrimination, the unjust or 
prejudicial. I should probably write words I can sound out, right? Uh, treatment of different categories of people, especially on the grounds of ethnicity, age, sex, and disability. Uh, James is telling the story of how basically one day a man, two men walk in, one looking very nice, uh, dressed uh, to the hills, uh, Savile Row possibly. Uh, he's looking good, gold rings on his finger. He looks the part. And as a such, the welcome team uh, see him and say, oh, oh, you come, 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 come to the front. Sit right next to Pastor Gowan. Enjoy the seat. In fact, do you want some tea, some coffee? I'll get you some cake. You can have a, uh, a patty from the sauce. We'll get you anything that you want. And then another gentleman walks in who doesn't look as nicely dressed as Mr. Savile Row. And they look at him and say, oh, you, you stay to the, the side. Stay, stay at the, go, go to the back. Just oh, sit there. Just you know, sit on the floor. You don't deserve to be here. James is warning us about this kind of favoritism where we look at someone's external appearance and we judge them based off of that. James is telling us that... Uh, we, we shouldn't show favoritism when it comes to how we deal with people, uh, both inside and outside of the church. He's insisting that our faith should keep us from showing favoritism to the rich, to the powerful, to those who look different uh, towards us. That it should provoke us to love, that our faith should provoke us to love our neighbours as we love ourselves. That everyone, that there should be some level of uh, equality and inclusivity within the body of Christ. The evil thoughts of, oh, that person must do something for me because of their position. The evil thoughts that he's talking about. And he says, you know, renew your mind, like it tells us in Romans 12, verse 2. Uh, there's a guy who called up the church one day. And he said, oh, I want to speak to the head hog in the trough. Receptionist was slightly perplexed, thinking, what is going on? What, can you repeat that, please? Yep, 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 I want to speak to the head hog in the trough. Receptionist was to be honest, rather upset and was defensive of the lead pastor and said, you know, you shouldn't talk to our lead pastor about him like that. That's, that's not very nice. The gentleman turned around and said, listen, I've got £100,000 that I want to bank transfer right now to your building project, but I need to speak to the head hog in the trough. After hearing these words, there was a silence. And the receptionist then said, well, let me get that fat pig on the phone for you then. See, treating people differently because of money is wrong. Treating people differently because of how they look is wrong. Treating people differently because they don't think like you, talk like you, walk like you is wrong when we're supposed to include people into the body of Christ. You making judgments on people's appearance is something that we often do. And it's easy for us to think, oh, that person is that particular way because of how they are dressed or how they look. We do it sometimes not thinking we do it, again, with people's race or with the cultural, economic status. We do it in the same way we treat each other. You know, Gandhi was, whilst he was studying and learning more about his own faith um, while he was practicing uh, Hinduism, he was reading the Bible. And he would read the Bible and he would read about Jesus, read the gospel and think to himself that this Jesus who I'm reading about, the Jesus that, that loves people unconditionally, the Jesus that serves people, the Jesus that heals people, the Jesus that can change and transform lives. I want to know more about him. So he did the next logical thing, and he went to a church. He walked into the church, and the usher said to him, hey, listen, I'm sorry, you can't be here right now. This is actually for those in a different economics, um, uh, sorry, different class within um, India. You can't, you can't be here. He was looking, and he was thinking to himself, huh, Interesting. See, I like the Jesus that I read about, but the Christians, 
I'm not too sure about. And I never want it to be said about us, that people would look at you and I and say, oh, actually, the, the, the person who you represent, I like, but you as an individual, the way you speak, the way you act, the way you behave around people, I'm not too sure about. See, the world is constantly assessing, sizing up, putting people down, putting people uh, in, in, a, in a pecking order. And God wants the church to reflect his grace and his mercy and the love that he radiates out. So how do we know when favoritism or, or partiality, favoritism or discrimination shows up? Well, we, we know it happens when we care about the outward appearance more than the heart. There's an external excitement. We care more about the outward appearance than the heart. 1 Samuel chapter 6, verse 16, verse 7. Uh, God is having a dialogue with Samuel when they're looking for a new king. And there's all these people who look good. And, and God says, listen, I'm not interested in the appearance of man. We made that mistake with Saul already. Let's not make the same mistake. I look at the person's heart. I look at the condition of their heart. The second thing uh, is we put too much emphasis on material wealth. There's judgment, poor judgment and assessment. We put too much emphasis on material wealth. We misunderstand who is important and who's blessed in the eyes of God. We assume that because of someone's riches or their wealth, that that, that is a result of God blessing them. But that might not always be the case. We said a couple of weeks ago that our wealth is not a barometer of our faith. And as such, we shouldn't think, oh, someone's rich and so God loves them. That's not always the case. We realize, thirdly, we realize that it reveals our selfish streak. There's bad motive. We look at people for what they can do as opposed to what, um, how we can live with each other. We, we, we use people for uh, their status to say, okay, that person is doing well in life. I, let me get around them so that I can, I can benefit in the future. I can, I can prop myself up that they will use their authority, their wealth, their power for my gain, where that poor person, he can't or she can't do that. It's favoritism and it's wrong. So if there's external excitement and uh, poor judgment plus bad motives, that equals the non-Christian-like behavior. That's where partiality, favoritism, and discrimination take place. We need to recognize our whole, our, our whole human nature is for us that we're drawn to people who are like us, who, who talk like us, who, who look like us. And the problem is that we're forgetting that every single one of us, every single one of us is made in the image of God. Whether you like it or not, whether you feel like you're an accident or it was a mistake, you are made in the image of God. God's fingerprints are all over your life. When the Bible talks that we were created, God, it says that we were, in Genesis, that God he spoke the world into being. But for you and for I, he got down on his hands and knees and, and he molded us and fashioned us and breathed life into us. We're made in the image of God. So how do we ensure that there's equality and inclusivity? Firstly, we change how we look at others. James chapter 2, verse 5. Listen, my brothers and sisters, has God not chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? Those who love him are rich in faith. They're, they're full of faith. They respond to God's love, and that brings them closer to him. See, God cares about every, every single person. Regardless of what you look like, what you've been through, God cares intensely about you. If you open your Bibles to Romans chapter 3, verse 22 to 24, you'll read these words. 
Uh, This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. Just women have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. I think that's the wrong translation. Uh, Let's go to verse 23. Uh, Just men have sinned and fallen short of the glory. No, that's that's not quite right. Uh, Just white people have sinned and fallen short of the glory. That's not right. Just black people have sinned and fallen short of the glory. No, wrong translation. Just the rich have sinned and fallen short. No, that's not quite right. Uh, Just the poor have sinned and fallen short of the glory. No, just the heterosexuals have sinned and fallen. No, that's not right. Just the homosexuals have sinned and fallen short of the glory. No, just the young have sinned and fallen short. No, that's not right. Or just the Muslim have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No, friends, it does not say that. It says all. Every single one of us has fallen short. Every single one of us. So the question becomes what? How do you see people? How how do you truly see people? Uh, Are they precious to you? Uh, Are they worthy? Are they they valuable? How do you see people? When you're in your team serving uh, on a Sunday or during the week, do you look at your your teammates, volunteer mates? What word do we have? Your your mates. Your mates. Your peers. Do you look at them and you see them as someone who's loved by God? Do you see them and see, uh, see them as someone who's, who's cared for by God, that lo- God loves them intently? I, I love the fact that when we serve together, the different teams that we have, there are people from all different backgrounds serving. Men are serving, women are serving, those who are white, black, in between the shades, uh, those who are, who are poor, who are rich, those who have fantastic jobs, those who may not have such fantastic jobs. I, I love the hospitality team, that we have people who lead, lead hospitals in serving with people who don't do that. I, I love the idea that on the youth team, there are, there are grandparents serving alongside those who um, are not grandparents. I love the idea that there are people all around and you can look at and say, ah, God loves them. So when you see people, do you really see them as precious? So regardless of what they are, uh, uh, their ages, their colors, their genders, their working background, everyone, when you look around the room, these are your brothers and sisters. So we do not show partiality, favoritism, or discrimination. Uh, years ago, we used to do this thing called VIP days where we would invite people from the community who uh, were on the outside of society, let's say that, uh, and we would pamper them and look after them. And, and I love this idea that we would look to include people into the same love that we've experienced ourselves. That we say it's not just for a particular type of person. God's love isn't just for if you smell good or if you look good or if your hair is long. <laughs> it's for everyone. Galatians chapter 3 verse 28 tells us that there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there female nor male, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. The simple truth is that everyone, everyone deserves a chance, an opportunity to know the goodness, the grace and goodness of our God. The question is, are we as a church ready to accept those who don't look like us, that don't talk like us, that don't think like us? that are from a different background to us. See, I love the idea that Jesus healed and ministered to men, to women, to those who are young, old, those who are sick, those who weren't sick. I love the idea that Jesus uh, spoke to people who were from the same culture as him and not from the same culture as him and propped people up. And I love the idea that he didn't show partiality, favoritism, or discrimination. And if God can do it, so can we. 
The second thing that we do is that we love, you love your neighbor as you love yourself. James chapter 2 verse 8 says, if you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. If I came to you after waking up, you would see like slobber all over my mouth. Like, I drool, so you'll see all kinds of stuff. It's not pretty. But I would hope that you wouldn't think and look at me and think, oh my gosh, look at this guy. We make ourselves, like, I present myself better for you. And the idea is that I want someone to treat me how I would, I would, yeah, treat me how I would like to be treated myself. And I wonder how many of us struggle with that notion. We look at other people and we think, ah, but you look a bit odd. Ah, but you speak a bit differently to me. Ah, but your background is this and that. And God says, come into the family. In Luke chapter 2, verse 25 to 37, there's a story that you will know very well if you're in Sunday school, the, good, the story of the Good Samaritan. Uh, and basically what happens is that this lawyer comes to Jesus, a lawyer who, someone who studies the first five books of our Bible, the Torah, and um, he, he knew the laws inside and out. So he comes to Jesus and he says, well, how do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus replies and says, well, what does the law say? And the, the lawyer says, well, Love God and, and, and love people. Jesus says, that's correct. The lawyer then asks the question, well, who is my neighbor? He's trying to find some loopholes, basically. And the, the, the back and forth questioning was, was normal in Jewish culture of understanding and getting reason. And so Jesus tells a story about a man who was walking from Jerusalem to Jericho, about 18 miles. And on this particular road, there would have been a descent of about 3,000 feet. And so it was quite treacherous. The, the road went through desert. It went through rocky ground. And so Jesus tells a story how this one man was walking down the road and he gets beaten up by some bandits and some thieves. And Jesus says, oh, what happens next is that the priest comes along. And the priest should have been the hero of the story. So the lawyer is listening. He's like, yes, the priest is coming. The priest is going to do what he's supposed to do. And Jesus tells us a story that the priest looks and then carries on walking. And you can hear in the background people would have been mummering and thinking, oh, that's not quite good. Jesus then tells a story about how uh, the, a Levite comes along. A Levite, someone who works in the temple, knew a bit about the law as well. He should have done something. So the, 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 the lawyer would have been like, that's the guy. If it wasn't the hero, maybe the common man, he's the one who's going to save and do something amazing. And Jesus tells the story how he just looks and he carries on. And you can imagine at this particular point, the lawyer and those around have been confused, thinking, well, if it's not the hero, who it should have been, if it's not the common man, who it could have been, who's the actual hero of the story? And so Jesus then says, a Samaritan man sees what's happening, and he gets involved. And you can imagine at that point, people would have been like, oh, you're, you're, you're lying. There's no good that comes out of Samaria. Rubbish. Samaritans are useless. There was some racial tension between both Jews and Samaritans. And so Jesus carries on telling the story how this guy who was beaten on the floor, he was stripped naked. The Samaritan comes and he tends to his needs. He takes him away and looks after him. He, he, he wraps him, uh, uh, cleans his, his wounds and, and puts him in, in a hotel and pays for it all. He's the actual hero of the story. And you can think to yourself, well, that the, the people around listening, the lawyer would have been like, that can't be true. The Samaritan. Jesus is saying, listen, it's not people who... Are necessarily who look like you, who talk like you, 
who walk like you. I love the fact that when I look around the room, I see a whole group of wonderful, amazing people. But you all don't look alike. Your story is very different from your story, and your story is different from your story, and your story, and everything is different, but what brings us together is the person of Jesus. The third thing that we do is that we obey the law. We obey the law. James chapter 10, verse 13 10 to 13 says, For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said you shall not commit adultery also said you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery but you commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom because judgment without mercy will, show to, will be shown to anyone who has been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. We need, to be, we need to not be selective in our obedience to God. If God says we should do something, we do it. If God says we shouldn't do something, we shouldn't do it. Because uh, oh, you know, I, I like the bit about uh, not committing murder. That bit I'm going to do. But the adultery part, whew, that's right up my street. I want some of that. God said, no, no, no. No, no, no. If you break one law, you've, you've broken them all. Way of illustration. If I uh, went to, um, I was playing football on the park that side where the source is and the, the, the glass windows are all there. And I kick a ball and I break one particular section. And I come to Martin and say, oh, Martin, just so you know, um, I've broken a bit of the glass. Now, let's say the glass, all the glass co- costs 5,000 pounds. I don't know how much it costs, but let's just say that. And he looks at me and I say, I'm going to pay my contribution towards the, the bit that I've broken. Here's 10 pounds. Martin's going to say to me, my friend, you haven't just broken a little bit. You've broken the glass. The glass is broken. You need to pay for the whole thing to be fixed. And it's the same way for us. We, we don't just break a little bit of the law. If we break, a bit, we break the law, we've broken the law. There's no ifs, buts, and maybes about it. And so when we obey God, it allows us to live a different life. So we need to understand that how in order to treat people e- uh, with, um, uh, equally and include them, we need to display the same mercy that Christ has displayed towards us. Mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone who is with, uh, whom it's within one's power to punish or harm. The same mercy that's been afforded to you and to myself, the same love that's been given to me, needs to be shown and demonstrated to others. Romans 5 verse 8 says, God demonstrates his love for us and that whilst we're sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. That same love that I've experienced, Christ Jesus wants others to experience as well. As James says, mercy triumphs over judgment. There's a poem that um, I like to read in and it helps like, bring some, some clarity to this. Uh, when I say I'm a Christian, I'm shouting, I've been saved. I'm whispering, I get lost sometimes, that's why I chose this way. When I say I'm a Christian, I don't speak with human pride, I'm confessing that I stumble needing God to be my guide. When I say I'm a Christian, I'm not trying to be strong, I'm professing that I'm weak and pray for strength to carry on. When I say I'm a Christian, I'm not bragging of success, I'm admitting that I failed and cannot ever pay the debt. When I say I'm a Christian, I don't think I know it all, I submit to my confusion, asking humbly, to be taught. When I say I'm a Christian, I'm not claiming to be perfect. My flaws are far too visible, but God believes I'm worth it. 
When I say I'm a Christian, I still feel the sting of pain. I have my share of heartache, which is why I seek God's name. When I say I'm a Christian, I do not wish to be judged. I have no authority. I only know I'm loved. Church, will you stand with me today? Personally, I love the fact and the idea that we serve a God who doesn't show partiality, favoritism, or discriminate us. That every single person can experience his goodness, his grace, his love, his mercy. Every single person, regardless of what you've seen, what you've been through, what you've walked through, what you've, what you've known to be true, can know the truth of who Jesus Christ is. I love the fact that we're part of a church that's growing in this particular field where equality and inclusion for every single person can be found at the feet of Jesus. Uh, there's two groups of people that I would love to pray for today. Uh, the first one is you're saying, ah, listen, I know, if I'm being really honest, that there are certain people that I don't really like. I look at that person and I think, God can't love you. I think to myself, man, you are far too gone. That group of people, not for me. But you're hearing the words that James is depicting us and you're like, oh, actually, maybe I need to change that. There's some things in my heart that I need to work around and work and move, move around. I need Jesus to do something in me. I need some surgery in my heart. Then with every eyes closed and every head bowed, please just raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. You're saying, I, said, I know I discriminate. I, I know. I know I think badly of people. I know. And I need the love of God to help me. Just raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. Fantastic wonderful fantastic Father I thank you for every hand that is raised here today uh, God I thank you for those online as well who are, who are showing movement towards this as well God I pray that you'll soften our hearts to see people as you see them God every thought of uh, discrimination every thought that doesn't want to include we reject that right now in Jesus name and God we pray Holy Spirit mold us, soften our hearts to be who we're supposed to be. The love that you've given to us, let us give to others, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Second group of people I want to pray for are those who are saying, I've listened to what you're saying and I've been through some stuff. I've seen some stuff and I, I, I like